Here we go, recording. So Jeremy and Amber are recording us from 2.40 a.m. in the Netherlands. Wow. And I am in Medford, Oregon. we got Oklahoma. I see Brian Crow has joined us. I feel like, remember Miss Susan for Romper Room? And I see Brian, I see Craig and Bethany, I see Jennifer. Remember the magic mirror uh, Miss on Romper Room? Nobody remembers Romper Room, the magic mirror. Oh, well. Uh, well, <laughs> I can see you. Uh, yeah, Brian, please put the shirt on. Brian is from uh, Eugene, Oregon, and they don't wear shirts in Oregon a lot. Um uh, it was actually kind of cool today. I had um, I went and visited uh, a church that a friend uh, of well, actually the Cutlass guys, the church grew up in, uh, called Applegate Christian Fellowship. You go to Applegate.org and you can see their website. Um, but I go there, and you know most Christian bookstores in the churches, you'll find things like uh, with like the, you get a lot of the Joel Osteen, you got a lot of the Joyce Meyer. You know, you know, it's 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 a lot of good chewy candy kind of Christian books. But this Christian bookstore at the church had like this, it was like I should have brought some A1 sauce. It was like Spurgeon and uh, Yancey and all these guys. Anyway, long story short, I make a comment. There's like a, a, a new release of uh, Pilgrim's Progress by Bunyan. Anyway, long story short, they gave me like $600 worth of books. I almost, don't tell anybody, I almost cried. I was so excited. So anyway, I'm about to have to overweigh my, uh, my bags are going to weigh too much when I leave tomorrow because I have... Uh, officially made the weight limit in books. So, uh, dude, that was really funny. Praying good in the neighborhood. Whoever Moto Jesus is, that made me laugh. Um, so last week we were in Exodus, and we're going to kind of hit the ground running, and we're going to pray to God that the chat room doesn't collapse tonight, because I felt like we, we were right in the middle of a great conversation, and then the chat room collapsed. So, um, Exodus 14, last week uh, was the cloud, the fire by night, cloud by day. And tonight we jump into Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, uh, Don't drop your Bible, he said to Moses, in a hotel room. And then he said in verse 1, And by the way, I'm going to hit this, we're going to do this a little stranger. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a few minutes, and then Jay is going to join us from Jeremy and Amber's uh, kitchen in Nashville, Tennessee where uh, there's some talk that maybe the cats will make a cameo appearance. I don't know. We'll see uh, how that works. Uh, so here we go. Uh, J. Bone. I got to quit reading the commentary. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Piharoth. I need to spit after that one. Between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon, and Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And so the Israelites did this. Um, it's kind of weird to say this, but I, uh, since I'm kind of in a hotel room by myself and just looking at a computer right now, but I, I wanted to pray uh, before we go any further. We didn't, um, just whenever you approach God's word, you know, we've talked about it before. When you're when you're in God's Word, if you're just studying it, that's academic. That's what you. That's what Ayn Rand books are made for. This is something that you approach 
uh, supernaturally. And if you ever want to know how to approach the word, Psalm 119 says that uh, it's a whole list of them. It's the longest chapter. It's in the middle of the Bible, and it talks about how to approach the word. And it talks about holding it and uh, searching it and treasuring it and keeping it. And that's what we want to do. Tonight. We, want to, we want to dig into the word and not just studying it as an academic exercise. So, Lord, we come before you. Uh, we want to see you tonight, Lord. If, if all we did was just come together and hang out, that's kind of fun. But there's more uh, that you would have for us in your word. Because when we go through your word, your word goes through us. And when it goes through us, it does those things that it promises, that you promised it would do. It cleanses us. It divides us inside and uh, cuts out the stuff that doesn't belong. Uh, we want to encounter and find you in these pages tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I don't know if you uh, have been watching the news this week, but in America, it seems like there are uh, there's a lot to be afraid of right now. Uh, if, if you just go to drudgereport.com, not now, of course, but later, you see that there is plenty to be scared of in our country. I, I spend a lot of time reading and I spend a lot of time listening to the news and, and people um, say, and I, I talk to some people like, you know, I don't even want to read it because I don't want to know. And, you know, hey, that's one approach and I think it's a fine approach, I guess. But, you know, I tend to like to know because I, I, I tend to... Uh, I, I tend to want to know what to pray for, and I tend to basically like to see God working. And the thing that jumped out at me as I read Exodus 14 was this. Israel was a nation that was in a mess. And you, you see it here that this is a nation that is being told to go into an unwinnable situation. I mean, God basically, when you if you look on the little Israel map in the back of the Bible that you have... Uh, God basically sent them between, a, literally between a rock and a soft place. It's between, you know, uh, mountains on either side. And they had one option. They're hemmed in. They had the, 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 the Dead Sea over here, and behind them was Egypt. And God sent them. And interesting, by the way, just as a sidebar, when he said this, he said, turn back to them. He says, in, uh, tell the Israelites in verse 2 to turn back and encamp near Piharth, which I can't pronounce. But what was jumped out at me when I saw that was, like, I've spent a lot of time in my life turning back, if you, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't know, maybe you don't feel like this, but I've felt like this before, where I feel like I've, like, I've been here before. Like, I've lost ground. In 1993, I was a waiter, uh, not only a waiter, but a waiter at a pretty cheap uh, ghetto buffet restaurant, okay? And I was a good waiter, okay, but a waiter, nonetheless, at a buffet restaurant. And it was like the standard lots of uh, lots of fried things. That's you know, the first fifteen freshman fifteen I gained was that. But I didn't think I was ever going to get out of that place ever. And then God worked it out, and I got out, and, and I go to Nashville, and I get this gig, and I'm booking these bands, and I think, man, this is great. And and I remember the night that I left that restaurant, we had what we called the ceremonial burning of the pants. Uh, I kid you not, I took the Dockers that I had been wearing, and if anybody's ever been a waiter before, you know that the pants. If you wear them a lot in a restaurant, they tend to have a certain odor, okay? But here's a side note. The pants also, uh, when I lit them on fire with the ceremonial burning of the pants, because I was never going to be a waiter again, uh, didn't burn. They were like the burning pants uh, because there was so much grease in there from working with them for so long that they wouldn't burn. It was like almost like one of those like uh, sterno flames, like blue flames all over the pants, and they wouldn't burn. I, so I left. I thought I was never going back there again because I had learned my lessons. I wasn't going to be a waiter anymore. 
And I didn't think I was ever going to get out of there for that matter. I mean, I, you know, look, when my wife uh, introduced me to her parents, I can't believe they didn't just tell me to take a hike. I mean, I didn't go to college. I was a waiter that had no real feasible plan, no financial means whatsoever. Uh, I wasn't even good looking. I mean, the, the only thing I had going for me was a, was an excellent perma mullet and I had, you know, some earrings. Uh, but God sent me uh, Shannon and she said yes for some crazy reason. And the long story short, I, I go to Nashville and I, I get this new job and I'm booking these Christian bands that are selling lots of records. And I'm pretty much, you know, you know, surly and drunk on my own power and thinking, man, this is great. You know, I've, 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 I've arrived. And then through a series of events that uh, we don't have time to get into tonight, I ended up leaving that company. I ended up starting my own company. I ended up not doing very well at that company. I ended up back at that same restaurant. So year before I'm, I'm a waiter, then now I'm booking jars of clay and third day and thinking I'm great. And then literally like overnight, I'm back at the same restaurant, not in the same pants, of course, cause I burned them, but you know, khaki pants, maybe a size bigger because God had told me to turn back. He sent me back and I thought, man, I had been here before, but God had a plan for me and, and a purpose. And it was uh, and, and I guess what it was, was that I hadn't learned some of the lessons that he had had for me to learn that I thought I had learned. And uh, so I got to go back. I've heard uh, different Bible teachers say that, you know, when you don't pass a test that the Lord sends your way, it isn't like, like I grew up in Nebraska. If you didn't pass, they just, you know, if you flunk a grade, they send you on anyway, because they're trying to get you out of the system. Uh, not in God's kingdom. He's going to send you back. And he told them to go back. And so they did. But here's the the, the, the moment that it, that I want to, I guess, just share for you because God did take me through. God did send me back and I learned the lessons and I moved on and God got maximum glory. But look at this. He says this, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. He will pursue them. But look at this, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. He says it again, by the way, in verse 17, that I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord and I will gain glory through Pharaoh his chariots and his horsemen. In America right now, we live in a in a situation that, that might seem hopeless. And, and if it seems hopeless, it's because, honestly, it is. And I don't mean to be a cosmic buzzkill. I don't mean to go like Hal Lindsay on you, if you know what I mean. Like I'm not here to try to spook you and scare you. But I am here to tell you that if you even begin to just remotely study what's going on right now in the financial situation and the turmoil that's going on, it's a situation that has so many moving parts, so much complexity, so much sophistication. Right now, and I just read this in Newsweek magazine and in Time magazine, our banking system is so fragile that even if only 5% of the loans that they have on the books go into default, it could cause the entire banking system to collapse. It just could. And I think that when I look at that and I see what's happening right now, it seems spooky and it seems scary. And it almost is the same response that is Israel had, right? Israel, I think it's in verse 10, okay? I mean, catch the scene. They're trapped. They're up against a, 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 a sea on one side. They've got mountains on either side and they've got Pharaoh and his men bearing down on them 600 chariots the most the highest technology they had it would have been like you know missiles flying at them and there it says in verse 10 that uh, as pharaoh approached the israelites looked up and they were terrified 
And interesting because a few verses earlier, it says that they left boldly, that Pharaoh, it says that Pharaoh looked and that he was mad because they left boldly. These guys were just cocky and full of themselves and heading out of town. And now, now they're terrified. And they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Why? Uh, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. And listen to what they said. They said that it would be better, had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Hi, Maddie and Shannon. Where you feel like, you know what? It would have been better. My old sucky life would be way better than this new sucky situation that God has set up for me. And you wonder, why is it that God has led me here? And if you read it in Lamentations, I mean, Jeremiah the prophet, I think it's Lamentations 13. I don't remember the exact verse, but he talks about, man, God led me to this place. Like my teeth are being kicked in and God led me here. And why is it that God would do that? Why is it that would God would lead you and I personally? And I'm not talking just like bad stuff that happens in any given day that life brings at you. Because that's what life does and God does deliver us. But if you've been around the block at all in your walk with the Lord, you're going to find that there's on occasion that he's going to bring you to the situation personally where it seems hopeless, where it seems, whether it's a death of someone close to you, whether it's, uh, you, you know, this relationship is just hopelessly and irretrievably broken, uh, but a hopelessly, seemingly hopeless situation. And the scariest part is when it seems like that God is absolutely leading you there and it seems so hopeless and when i say hopeless what i mean is your hope of fixing it isn't there and right now on a national level on a national level there's no hope right now not not no and i know we just elected a guy based on hope okay but the hope isn't and it shouldn't be and it cannot be in in man and in man alone the hope that we have is in christ and when I say hope, what I need you to hear me say is that it is about us being able to fix it, us being able to do something about it, us being able to retrieve it, again, personally. And then when you think about it on a national level, what we see is Pharaoh. It says that God did this. God led Israel. God said, come back here. He sent him one way and he said, no, no, go back. He told him to camp right here. He told him to camp in a situation that because we have the benefit of reading it in hindsight and in 2020 that we say, oh, we know he's just going to open up the Red Sea. But man, they didn't know that. Not a single one of the millions of, of Israels that were in the desert on that day knew that. This was about to be genocide. Egypt was about to wipe them off the face of the earth like shooting fish in a barrel. And it was then, and it wasn't just like it happened like immediately. These guys were guys that were like scared and terrified. They had plenty of time to think about it. But listen to this. God said that I'm doing this through Pharaoh and his army that I will get glory and that all of Egypt will know that I am the Lord. And so what word that I have for you tonight, for me, is that personally, if you're in that situation, maybe God brought you there because you've been a little too confident. Maybe God brought you there because you needed a reminder that you've been saved through his power and his glory alone. And when you think about it, uh, the C.S. Lewis quote, what is it? The pain is God's megaphone. 
When you're in those situations, when you're suffering, when you're, when you're scared, when you're afraid, pain is God's megaphone shouting out over all of the noise. And I think it was Corey Ten Boom's statement that said, uh, you don't know that you, oh man, I'm going to blow this one, that you don't know that you need God until God is all you have. I, someone, I just butchered that, but somebody Google it and tell me it's that statement that you don't know that you need God until God is all you have. And I think that what I saw in Africa this summer when I was there was I saw I saw kids that had no reason to be happy. I saw them in dirt floors and in poverty, and I saw their parents uh, were gone and were dead, many of them, most of them. And God, in that situation, they had, they were, I guess the only thing I can convey to you, and you guys that were at Haiti, and we've talked about it before, there was so much joy in their lives. They were the happiest kids. In America, what is it? I mean, depression is one of these major things in America, but we're so full. We have so much stuff. We have so much in our hands uh, to hold on to. And I think that what ultimately what happens and what happened here with the Israelites was they walked out feeling full. They walked out feeling, it's said they walked out boldly. And God said, I just, I need one more reminder for you that I am the Lord. I am the guy that's going to deliver you. And, and when you're in those situations like this, that I'm the guy that's going to deliver you from it. And it says here that the Lord said to Moses in verse 15, why are you crying to me? Tell the Israelites to move on, raise your hand, stretch out your hand over the sea and walk. And that's the word for you and the word for me personally, that when you're up against the wall and it actually talks about stand here, he says to stand. I can't find the verse, but if you read back in the first few verses, it says stand and now it's walk. It's such a, a beautiful picture of what we're supposed to do in that situation. Not to run, not to panic, not to act like Grover on Sesame Street. Remember Grover on Sesame Street? Whenever he'd get all freaked out, he'd like throw his hands in the air and run off. We're to stand with calmness and with uh, <laughs> with calmness and, and to get on with it. And so to me, that's the picture number one is it for us personally. But the second picture that is for me that I see is nationally. Because you know what? I'm watching my government do things that is, in my mind, is maddening. I'm watching hundreds of billions of dollars, trillions of dollars being printed, okay? Printed into a system, and it isn't working. And you see them beginning to taper our, our quote-unquote hope on it. And they're tapering our hope because with a trillion dollars being pumped into the banking system, it isn't working. And it isn't going to work. And so it seems hopeless, but it seems to me that if we are in America where our God, okay, you know, keeping in mind what we just saw with the plagues of Egypt was God just one by one systematically took out every God that Egypt had, the river God, the frogs. I mean, all these things represented God. And he said, I'll take it out. If you want to worship that, bam, I'll take it out from under you and show you that I am God. And I think that in America, what we see right now is we see God systematically pulling our gods out from underneath of us, our God of, 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 of wealth, of uh of having uh, overindulgence, to use to use Bucky's words. That God could say, you guys want to worship that and you want that to be your God? Let me show you. I'm going to pull it out. And it isn't because God's a cosmic buzzkill. It isn't because God is trying to make us bummed. It's because he wants all of us to be saved. He wants the whole world to be saved. And when we're sitting there thinking that we don't need a Savior, when the, when the United States as a whole is saying, yeah, we don't need God. We, we don't need you as our Lord. we got our own thing figured out. And maybe that's what God is doing. And look, I'm not a prophet. I'm not Hal Lindsey, so I don't know. Maybe that's, 
the beauty is that in hindsight, we're going to know. But what I see right now as I look at this, the system, the tendency is to be afraid. The tendency is to be spooked. And I think that the word for the Lord is us as we look at our situation is that he can take a leader like Pharaoh and he can say, I'm going to use this situation. And through Pharaoh, I'm going to show that I am the Lord. And I think that he could say that, look, through President Obama, through Putin, through Mugabe, I can show that I am the Lord. If the hand, the heart of the Lord is truly in the hand of the, uh, the heart of the king is truly in the hand of the Lord, Proverbs 21 tells us, then I think that we don't have to be afraid because God is there. And if you really believe in God's sovereignty and in God's ability to control this situation that we're in, I don't think we can be lazy and sit back, but we could, we don't have to be afraid. And to say then to the Lord, to say to us, to, to conduit tonight, here's the word from the Lord to you and to me. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Tell conduit to move on, to just start walking, to stand. And when you get a chance tonight, go read Ephesians 6, when it talks about how we're to stand with the armor of the Lord, with the helmet of salvation, with the shield of, of what? Of faith. That's what protects us. And it isn't like we go get like a real shield. I mean, it's our faith is what protects us. I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand how God's going to make this work out. I don't understand how this banking system is not going to collapse. And if it does, I don't understand what's going to happen to us. I don't have to understand. I have to believe and I have to trust in the Lord. And that is the word for us tonight because it's literally the temptation for us. I mean, I was talking to somebody yesterday. He was talking about going and, you know, getting ready to move to the country. Don't move to the country. <laughs> Don't stock up weapons and arms. Move on and walk. Walk forward. And God will absolutely open it. And understanding that when he collapses all these things around us, that you and I are just reminded once again that those things were just a sham anyway. They're what, they're what uh, Solomon said in, in Ecclesiastes. They're just vapor. I mean, we're losing the, the, the Dow today is at 7,000. It's literally the, the, the 10 years of gains that we've made, 12 years of gains that we've made in the last 12 years, they're gone. They're vapor. That's what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, vapor.